Hey, what's up, Missoula? It's Coulter Nuanez of your favorite daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Not only does the M Store in downtown Missoula have the best and most unique Grizz gear you're going to find anywhere. That's right, they're all Grizz all the time down there at the M Store, which if you haven't been into their relatively new location there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway, go check it out. You're going to find Grizz stuff that you can't find anywhere else in Missoula or anywhere else in Montana. But they also have a new Apple store inside the M store. Now, I've been using a MacBook Pro for the better part of a decade, and it is awesome. But it's also a little bit precarious to find somebody to fix it. I also have a habit of leaving my MacBook chargers in various airports across the United States. Don't worry, I've accumulated like four or five of them now because I have to rebuy them. And then they, you know, eventually find them and send them back to me. But that's here nor there. Any and all Apple products you might need, any and all Apple service you might have to have taken care of, they can help you down there at the M Store. Go check out the M Store for all of your Apple needs and all your Grizz needs. The M Store, located in the heart of downtown Missoula, where they're all Grizz all the time. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. Hope you have a great Tuesday. Mine's filled with allergies. <laughs> That's about it. But we charge forward. Uh, missing the first hour of the show today, we continued talking about the future. We can't predict the future, but I think that Montana Montana State need to be ready for the future. I think that the the world of college athletics is rapidly shifting. I think there's going to be a fracturing of the top level of college athletics uh, from mid-majors. And <laughs> sometimes I get the texts on my computer while I'm while I'm speaking, and they just crack me up on the text line in just a second. Uh, but I do think that you can't just stick at the FCS because you want to win national championships when the division is eroding uh, before our eyes, there's been so many different prominent programs that have already moved on and moved up. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of schools out west that are left out in the cold. So I think those those schools that are like-minded have to have a plan to work together. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Nobody can see the future. Nobody really has a crystal ball. But I do think that Montana and Montana State specifically, they need to be able to figure out a way to pivot if and when the time arises. There is no time now. There is no league that's uh, actively recruiting or hunting uh, the Montana schools. And, uh, in fact, they're probably a long ways away from being uh, getting any sort of invitation to, like, a Mountain West. I don't think that's what the reality of the situation is going to be, though. I think that there's just going to be a whole bunch of schools in the West that are going to have to decide what they're going to do. And, and if that then is aligning with each other, and aligning with some of the old former uh, FCS powers like the App States and Georgia Southerns of the world, and there's like a new level of G5 that maybe has a playoff attached to it, uh, I think that Montana Montana State need to be ready if, if that scenario comes about. So we talked about that, uh, continued talking about that, continued reading your texts and feedback about it as well. Uh, we also heard from Tony Hill and a variety of her Special Olympics athletes, Special Olympics golf uh, out at the Ranch Club, 1 p.m. on Thursday. So that'll be a really fun. Uh, that'll be a really fun event. 
And uh, always fun having the Special Olympics athletes uh, in the studio. Just so much joy. It's always a good reminder, too, right? Like, I think so many of us that play golf and take golf semi-seriously or seriously, how often do you slam your putter? How often do you scream a curse word? How often do you, you know, mutter under your breath when you can't find your ball? At the end of the day, it's just a game. And I, I'm the, I mean, I'm just absolutely talking to myself right now because I get really mad on the golf course sometimes, and uh, it's just how it goes. But also, maybe it doesn't have to be how it goes. So we talked to uh, those fine folks and got some good perspective on just having fun and enjoying the game. We also gave you our Treasure State Stars, highlighting some of the best individual performances uh, from around the uh, the state of Montana. <laughs> a text from a loyal listener, he says, you have allergies and I'm allergic to Dave Matthews. Stop it. <laughs> Two Dave Matthews songs on the show, and we're already getting lambasted. That's part of the reason I play it. First of all, like I always say, I don't like, I actually, in fact, dislike a good amount of Dave Matthews music. It's just the songs that I like that are so good. I mean, that song we were just playing, Big Eyed Fish, I mean, that is just such a a parable of what it means to be alive. It's just such good songwriting. I just, uh, you know, there's some of his stuff that's just so good and I'm never going to back down. And the fact that some of you guys don't like it, well, all the more reason for me to play it and talk about it. Uh, The NBA playoffs are rolling right now and, uh, man, I'm I'm just feeling so good uh, because... When the Lakers were in 13th place at the All-Star break, we started talking about what their best-case scenario might be. And I proclaimed that I thought if they could unhitch the Russell Westbrook wagon that was completely dragging them down and they were able to reshuffle basically the bottom half of their rotation, that LeBron James would, would make sure that he was ready to make a playoff push. And then the X factor would just be if Anthony Davis could get healthy. Well, that's all happened. They got rid of Russell Westbrook. They revamped their entire rotation. They added a a variety of role players that uh, have impacted their team to varying degrees. Austin Reeves, 21 points last night. Who saw that? The kid from the G League. Lonnie Walker, out of nowhere, 15 points and 27 minutes off the bench. They've been getting great minutes out of D'Angelo Russell. He didn't play very well last night, but uh, people thought he was just stick a fork in him dead, a complete draft bust, and uh, he's got a, a rebirth in his second stint with the Lakers. But then more importantly, LeBron James is in peak playoff form, at least as peak as you can be when you're 38 years old. And Anthony Davis, even though he only shows up once every other game, that's all you need because when he shows up, He's like Kim Olajuwon. Like he's he's unstoppable like he was last night, 23-15. and 15. And uh, that's all to say then the Lakers post a 104-101 victory last night in L.A. over the Warriors. And don't look now, but the Los Angeles Lakers are one game away from the Western Conference Finals. So uh, it's amazing to have watched all this. You know, I, I, I was on the Lakers and touting their potential to turn it on and make a run despite how disappointing they were for the first, like, three quarters of the season. But not even I can sit here and brag about how good they've been. Uh, you know, I, I thought they were going to be a contender for sure, but they have they fully uh, maximized their matchup advantages that they have against the Warriors, and that's got them now uh, 
knocking on the door of the Western Conference Finals against the defending NBA champions. So uh, that was the news of the night last night. Tonight, Boston hosts Philadelphia. That series is tied 2-2. That game starts here in about 20 minutes. And then the Denver Nuggets host the Phoenix Suns in a pivotal uh, game five as well. That series also tied 2-2. The Nuggets were dominant in Denver in both games so far in this series. Then the Suns showed great toughness and resolve in, in winning the next two in Phoenix, but now it's back in Denver. Nuggets are 34-7 and seven at home this year, so very good uh, there in the Mile High City. Uh, so that should be a good one uh, tonight as well. Andrew Houghton uh, joining in with us now to talk more NBA. Uh, I teased NBA Blindside yesterday. We only got one in about James Harden. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I don't know. Let's go back to Lakers-Warriors for a second, Coulter. It seems to me as though I would define this series as the Lakers are going to go as far as the role players around LeBron can take them. That's it right. seems to me like the Warriors are going to go as far as Steph Curry and only Steph Curry can take them. Here's the situation that the Warriors are in right now. Steph Curry is in the midst of one of his great hot shooting hot streaks of his entire career, and this guy's had many, many. I think it's unquestionable he's the greatest shooter in NBA history. Uh, I think he's he's been as influential uh, a player in terms of changing the game as uh, just about anybody. But here's where we're at with 35-year-old Steph. If the other team completely commits to attacking Stephen Curry on defense and putting Stephen Curry on the ball defensively, even guys like Lonnie Walker and uh, Dennis Schroeder can can handily dominate that matchup when the Lakers are on offense. You roll the dice, though, because even Steph Curry's so good offensively shooting the ball so well, he can even the he can levy it, right? He can, he can even your plus-minus. But last night, it was such a crazy dichotomy because Steph's shooting the lights out, and he's keeping the Warriors in the game, but he's also one of the reasons why the Warriors can't catch all the way up because he can't guard anybody. It's such a dichotomy. So I, I don't know what the Warriors do. You basically have to just like weigh the math, right? Like Steph Curry had 31 points and 14 assists last night. I'm not that much of a plus-minus guy, but he had 31, 14, and 10. He had a triple-double last night, and he was plus one in the plus-minus because that's how much he's getting hurt, uh, getting beat on on defense. So I don't know where we at there. I mean, he was 3 of 14 from beyond the arc, and so that's that's going to always hold you back if you're Golden State. If you only hit 12 threes, you need to hit way more than that because you shoot so many. But, I mean, where are we at with the give and take of Steph? I mean, it seems like 31 isn't enough, right? Like the magic number is 35. If he gets you 35, you're gonna you're gonna get more than you give. But if he doesn't get 35, the the Lakers are are, are totally fine if they can have an even docket in that matchup. Yeah, I think that's right. I think a lot of it is because Clay Thompson's not hitting, and Andrew Wiggins has come back. He hasn't really been hitting either. As far as Steph Curry on defense, I just. I think a lot of that actually has to go towards Steve Kerr. You know, you've right. got to figure out. I mean, you've been dealing. St- St- Steph Curry has never been a good defender. Well, that and the, that's been the whole thing, right? The people that stand up for Steph Curry, they say, look at the off-ball analytics, and that's sure. true. Steph Curry is one of the great off-ball defenders in NBA sure. history, based on tips and ability to deny. But they also designed the entire system to prioritize him playing off the ball because when he plays on the ball, especially in this era of the Roasted. NBA, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's why Steph Curry's the most disrespected superstar in NBA history. Because... We could talk till we're blue in the face. Russell Westbrook never thought Steph Curry was better than him. Neither did James Harden. Neither did any of these power guards. John Wall's feasting on Steph Curry all day long if it's him going at Steph. That's why Steph gets disrespected by his peers so much. And I, I think now that he's 35, it's a real question. You, you, you can't move on from it. What you're saying is exactly right. you got to scheme to it. you got to find a way to hide Steph and not let him get exploited like he was last night. Well, the other problem is they need him right now with the team that they have right now. Oh, for sure. They need him to have the ball in his hands for 40 minutes on offense. I mean, not just for sure. Not just running around picks off ball. They need him to be running pick and rolls. They need him to have the ball in his hands for right sure. now because Jordan Poole cannot be your secondary ball handler. Yeah. Uh, and so that is probably contributing to his defense. But I just like, man, Steve Kerr, figure out a way, scheme him up. Hide him. I know LeBron is the the best in the game at targeting. At you know, how did he make it to the finals all those years in a row? Yeah, targets the worst defender on the other team. Yep, gets him into the action no matter what. He's the best in NBA history at doing. I mean, you only have twenty four seconds. It yes. doesn't matter. LeBron's gonna find you for sure. So that's <laughs> tough. But I think it's that, so true. I, I think that you know, Darvin Ham has been able to do a really good job. For sure, he has. And I think Steve Kerr, there needs to be a, a response there, and I don't know what that is. I also thought it was interesting last night that you know, th- this has been the 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 brains versus the brawn, right? This has been the, the slick shooting Warriors versus the big, strong, aggressive Lakers, and the Lakers have proven that the power out overwhelms overwhelms the shooting. But I thought it was an interesting response in terms of lineup last night, too, what the the Warriors did. The Warriors made a conscious effort to go small last night. Draymond Green played 37 minutes. Andrew Wiggins played 39 minutes. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson both played over 40 minutes. And then Gary Payton Jr. was in the starting lineup, played more than 25 minutes. Kevon Looney played 11 minutes. Jeff Green only played two. And Jonathan Kaminga did not play. So you're basically saying, okay, Let's 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 see which style wins. Are we gonna just you know Lakers high pick and roll get to the hoop over and over and over again? Or are we gonna have a three point shooting contest? It's as simple as that. I mean, fourteen for forty one is not a crazy shooting night from beyond the arc. If the Warriors go fourteen of forty one last night, they win the game. But they went twelve of forty one. Sure, that's why they lose the game. Yeah, and that's why the Jordan Pools falling off a cliff is so big, right? Because if you're going small. The Warriors want to go small with Jordan Poole in the lineups where they're playing Draymond at center. If you're going small with Gary Payton, it sort of defeats the purpose because you don't have five shooters on the floor anymore. Especially if you're playing Gary Payton and Draymond together, you only got three shooters on the floor. It takes a lot of the sting out of that lineup. No, it's the ESPN Radio NBA Blindside. Uh, our good friends at Sportsbet Montana uh, have helped us with a variety of different uh, coverage, specifically of professional sports. Uh, there's Sportsbet Montana kiosks all over the state. You can go to the Sportsbet Montana website or download the app to find where the locations are. The lines tonight for the games, uh, Celtics are 7.5-point favorites in Boston, and the Nuggets are 6.5-point favorites over the Phoenix Suns in Denver. So big-time home favorites in Game 5 uh, in each of the games uh, tonight. Uh, what do we think of the uh, the other game last night? The Heat move into a 3-1 lead as well. And, uh, man, I don't know if any of my takes the last couple of months, I don't know if any of them have been as bad as that 
the heater embarrassment that need to need to roll over and die. I thought they were there's no way they were going to make it out of the play-in round, and here they are now, one win away from the conference finals. Yeah, to your credit, you you reverse course on that one really quickly. Well, and we for did sure. A whole, we did a whole Jimmy Butler week here <laughs> oh, at 102.9 sure. ESPN Radio. Yes, we did. Um, yeah, I think that series now is pretty much over. I know that that series has dominated a lot of the national discourse because you have a lot of people from New York uh, lamenting the downfall of this New York Knicks team. I'm curious about the Heat going forward if they do indeed close out that series because I'm not sure how impressive a win you know beating this New York Knicks team is. It's true. Uh, they're unorthodox, but but you're right. Like erase what happened actually during the season and who finished where and, and all that stuff, and just you know base this on preseason predictions, which is sometimes a silly way to operate. But like, I, I think you could say that um, the Heat the Heat underachieved up until the playoffs, but now they're sort of fulfilling their potential. The Heat in the the Eastern Conference Finals would only have been a little bit of a surprise on paper uh, over, I guess, instead of the 76ers or the Bucks or the Celtics. And it's going to be probably the Heat uh, against either the 76ers or the Bucks, or excuse me, 76ers or the Celtics. So, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference is, you know, that that's where the Heat were supposed to be before then they just faded all the way down the stretch. I uh, really don't know what happened with the Heat in the playoffs. I mean, in the regular season when they're struggling to, to 44 wins, it's like, well, the problem with the Heat is they got a bunch of guys who are just role players, you know? Guys you can't run anything through, guys who are just sort of floating around the outside, uh, now in the playoffs, as they're winning games in the playoffs, the thing that just impresses me the most about the Heat is, damn, they got a bunch of role players. And yeah. two of those guys are going off every night now. I mean, Max Struess had 16 last night. Uh, Kyle Lowry had 15 last night. But if it's, it's not those guys, I mean, Kevin Love is back in the starting lineup, or it's Gabe Vincent hitting threes, or it's Duncan Robinson has suddenly been resurrected, or Cody Martin. It's just they've had every night... Two out of those guys having good games, and suddenly uh, their depth looks like a strength because enough of those guys are managing to play well enough in every game. It just comes down to the the role players hitting shots, right? Like, if you're going to pay Duncan Robinson like that, then you need him to hit shots in the playoffs. That's just basically what it comes down to. Duan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. All right, give me another blind side. Well, I was actually going to ask what you thought about the lines tonight because I was looking at those two, and it seems like those are a bit uh, those are wide spreads for the for the home favorites. Are you buying the Celtics as, as seven or eight point favorites tonight, and the the Nuggets as six point favorites? Both these teams are they are two of the best teams at home in the NBA. They also have two of the best home court advantages in the NBA. I. I'm buying the Celtics as a, as a seven and a half point favorite. I, I took the Celtics at five and a half. I teased it down two points, but but I I, I do think the Celtics will. Both of their wins win. this series this series have been by double digits, including yeah. one was a real blowout. Yeah, I, I do buy that one. I'm a little stuck on the other one though. I think the Nuggets deserve to be favored. I don't know if they deserve to be favored by six and a half, and I also don't know if I'm going to pick them because you know this is the definition of a pivotal game five. 
the, the Nuggets have been favored in all but one of the games in this series, but it's tied at 2-2 because the, the Suns won one of those swing games and, you know, one is an underdog. So, I mean, when you have two of the best players on the floor, and the Suns do in Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, those guys are hitting shots. It's just it's they're just really tough to beat. But how many shots do those guys have left in them? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, is Devin Booker going to shoot 75 percent from the floor for a, a third game in a row? You know, because exactly. even with that, I mean, he was 20 of 25, I think, in Game Three. They still only won that game by seven. Yeah. So oh, he, for sure. I, mean, I mean, even if it's a downturn for those guys, I mean, even if those guys are going for 30 apiece, if they're not quite as efficient as they've been, I think the Nuggets have shown really well in this series. The Nuggets have, have certainly been one of the teams that have proven me wrong. I thought the Nuggets were fine. It's just so funny because the Joker, Nikola Jokic, is he's unquestionably one of the most unique players in NBA history, but I also think he's one of the most impactful players in NBA history. And I don't, I don't think that that's hyperbole to say. I mean, the guy has won, he won two straight MVPs leading up to this year. He's completely unorthodox. You can't speed him up. He's so big and strong and he has way better touch than you think. But he's one of those guys where even though he's so nasty to watch, he doesn't necessarily have the rep as like this must-see TV during the regular season. So then I think a lot of people then underrate him. But then you get into a series like this and you're watching him night in and night out and you're like, man, you just can't overstate the impact this guy has on the game and how good he makes them for whatever reason. I think people know that he's really good, but they don't like put him in that first breath of the top guys in the league, but then you watch him and how much he impacts winning. And he is, he absolutely is, but he has not done it in the playoffs, right? Right. The knock against, I mean, Every single one of those other guys, I mean, Steph Curry, Giannis, LeBron, obviously. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Paul George. What these guys have done. Yep. I mean, even Luka Doncic. For, what, I mean, went to the Eastern, or went to the Western Conference Finals the a Suns couple years last ago. Year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Trey Young's been in the Conference Finals, and Jokic has not. What every And not only that, but what every single one of those guys has done is they have taken a playoff series that either they were not favored to win or that was a, a, a real deal evenly matched slugfest of a playoff series, and they've put the team on their back and, and pulled it out. I mean, they've won it. They have they have series that they can point to and say, I did this when we were not supposed to win this series. Does Jokic have that? I, I think this is probably his, his first time going for it. And I think this would qualify if you knocked off the, the Kevin Durant, Devin Booker sons. But I think up to this point, he doesn't have that. And that's why he's sort of knocked down in people's minds. Because in the NBA, what matters is if you do it in May and June. I also think people have a really hard time comprehending, like wrapping their mind around that. Like, Jokic scored over 50 last game. 53. And they lost and that they lost because he scored 53. Does that make sense? Like, it's just the Steph Curry thing, too, right? Steph's going if to, you, if you ride or die with Steph, he's going to give up 30-plus probably to the guy he's guarding if they attack him. So then he has to score 35-plus to make it worth it in your favor. If you let Joker score more than 50, that means they're not getting open looks for all these guys from three, and that's how you actually beat the Nuggets. If... If Nikola Jokic has in the 30s and has double-digit assists, the Nuggets are almost impossible to beat. When he's in the 50s, though, 
it, it's you're you're giving that up to not allow the open three point shots. But again, Devin Booker and KD went off in that game yeah, four, right. and the Suns only won by five. For sure, Joker was what a couple possessions away for from sure. having fifty three and a three one lead. No, that's right. I mean, that's just the margins are so thin in the playoffs. I'm sort of repeating the same point, but it's the margins are so thin. That's the thing that's so interesting too. I, right, whenever we're in the midst of the NBA playoffs, I'm always trying to hammer myself and say, hey. Remember the details. Remember what we're talking about right now. Because sometimes after the dust settles, then we have a whole year until they roll around again. We forget all the ins and outs of it all. We just know, oh, these these four teams play in the conference finals. These teams play in the finals. You forget the step-by-step, right? Like, if, if the Nuggets lose this series... The only part of the narrative that we're going to still talk about next year is that Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets can't win in the playoffs. Even if they push the Suns all the way to the brink, this thing goes all the way to a Game 7. If they lose the series, the only thing we're going to remember and the only part of the conversation is going to be these guys can't win in the playoffs, even though they won a series in the playoffs and then won three games in a playoff series against a team that went to the conference finals. Sometimes we forget the the, the minutiae of it. I mean, think how quickly the Kings are going to fade, have already faded from That's the right. conversation, right? Right. They took, they took the defending champs down to the wire in Game 7 in their first playoff appearance in 17 years, and they lost to home, and now they're just out. It's out of the conversation. Nobody's thinking about them. Nobody's going to bring it up in their NBA season. You know, in, in three months when we're talking about the new season, Who's going to talk about that? Who's going to be remembering it when we're thinking about the story of this season? I mean, it's like there was a couple years there when the Hawks had that core of like Joe Johnson, Paul Al, Millsap, Hor- Al Horford, Jeff Teague. Under Mike Budenholzer, actually. I mean, that team was literally winning 60 games and getting the one seed, and then they lose in the playoffs, and nobody even cared. I mean, one year, they had like a top 15 record ever. They won like 63 games, and they didn't win the playoffs, and so nobody remembered it at all. Or like, how much did Kawhi save those Toronto teams from be remembering the same way? That's what's so funny about the whole Nick Nurse situation, right? Like, Nick Nurse was... you know, the king of Toronto, and then he's yep. not. And it's like, it's not that complicated, man. Pascal Siakam's a fine player. He's not Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's a, one of the all-time greatest players ever. You lost Kawhi Leonard. That's why you're not winning anymore. Right. And they had a nice team before him, but the only way that they were going to remember those Toronto teams before Ka- Kawhi Leonard showed up is, oh, you guys lost to LeBron in the playoffs every single year. <laughs> over and over and over and over and over again. Yes, it's 100% true. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Uh, SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. Well, we're going to keep having fun. On the other side, don't change the channel. Keep it right here, 102.9 FM, ESPN Missoula. Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company on behalf of both ESPN Missoula and Skyline Sports. Here with some of our friends from Blackfoot Communications, one of our great business partners at both entities. They've done so much for us in helping us develop so many different things at Skyline Sports. Also help bring you our ESPN Radio podcast network as well. We're here with Hannah Kreiss from Blackfoot Communications. She is a business development representative. Tell people just about your history at Blackfoot. How long have you been at Blackfoot? Yeah, I've been at Blackfoot three years now. When it comes to just uh, your actual job title, what is it that you do? I mean, what is your primary things that uh, go on in your day-to-day at Blackfoot? Yeah, so I target and work with small businesses um, and just helping them get connected to internet and phone services, just smaller grade equipment and services that they might need and not all of the bigger enterprise. What's your favorite part about your job at Blackfoot? 
I like connecting with people and meeting new people and going out and just having those conversations and getting to know them in the community. And how about just the organization in general? I mean, it, it seems like such a great company to work for. Yeah, absolutely. It's very community-based, um, very family-oriented inside as well, and it's definitely very enjoyable. If you want to find out more about Blackfoot Communications in general, visit goblackfoot.com. Great website, very easy to navigate. They can help you with all sorts of things from small business development to any sort of fiber, internet, communications, anything like that. Small business networking, all of it. Visit goblackfoot.com. I can't believe this is coming up. I'm going to my first concert in less than a week. Going to see Joseph at the Wilma. But also, Big Head Todd and the Monsters Blues Trailer coming up in June at the Kendall House Amphitheater as well. Concert season about to be upon us. Can't wait. No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for kicking it with us. Uh, we're just rambling on at this exact moment. Talking all things NBA playoffs, we're also uh, going to talk some 1970s football. I'll explain more in a minute. Uh, but Andrew had one more blind side for me, so Andrew Houghton chiming in here uh, on ESPN Radio. What else you got? Well, we've been sort of dancing around it, um, not only today but yesterday a little bit. I just who needs this? Who needs this postseason the most? I mean, who needs? Oh, it's the easiest question in the whole thing. Okay. It's, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't think that's true. I, I mean, maybe not. I guess I'm probably perceiving that is this is different than what you're intending the question to be, because the Lakers are going to be the, the centerpiece of the Los Angeles Lake. The, the two centerpieces of the Los Angeles Lakers are going to remain unchanged no matter what happens in this playoffs. That is correct. Uh, whereas that is, I, I think, probably if not certainly not the case for several of the other teams in the playoffs. Uh, Devin Booker's got a big contract in Phoenix, so who they surround him with, that's sort of up for debate. But I, I do think Kevin Durant has time left you know, with a new owner that's already made a huge splash and, and proven that he wants to spend money. I think that the this, this Suns core will get a chance to run it back. I think the Denver core, uh, the, the two stars there in Denver, Nikola Jokic and, and Jamal Murray, I think those guys are going to run it here for a couple years still because they're both young. Um you know, Lakers, the centerpieces are going to remain unchanged going into next year no matter what happens. Uh, I think the same probably for the Warriors. So I guess the West Coast is based, or the Western Conference is, I don't think there's any of the those. I, I do think it's, I, I think that the it's the series that is playing out tonight. It's the Boston Celtics and the, and the 76ers because the winner of this can truly say, okay, if you're the Celtics, you say, okay, this is the, what, fourth year in a row that we've at least been in the conference finals, so we're absolutely contending. And uh, But then if you lose, you're wondering, okay, we already kept Jason Tatum. Are we willing to keep Jalen Brown? Is he worth the money? Uh, if he makes an all-NBA team, that's going to definitely cost them even more money. Where they at with Joe Mazzula? But then on the flip side, the 76ers lost on purpose for a handful of years so they could get the team that they got now, and they got the dude who they want to be the centerpiece playing his best basketball of his entire life in Joel Embiid. But if you can't get over the top when you got a top five guy who's at the peak of his powers, where do you go next? So I do think that's the series you look to. I think it's those two uh, teams and the winner and the loser. Uh, th- there's going to be a fallout there for sure. Good question. Uh, all right. I see the mic slid to the other side. Jeff Safford chiming in now. Uh, what's up, buddy? Yeah, looking at it from your point of view, bringing up the Lakers 
And I kind of agree with you from a legacy standpoint. Right. See, that's the, that's the thing is I think that LeBron James has this year and maybe next year where he's truly one of right. the best players on the team. I think LeBron's going to play for a long time more, and he might even get another ring or something. But in terms of leading a team to a ring, it, it's right now. And also, he's whether he probably wants to acknowledge it or not, he's, in my eyes... He wants to chase down the ghost of Michael Jordan. That's right. And if he wins another title, he can raise that proverbial championship belt with the pyro going off like he's a WWE world champion. Look at me. I'm the GOAT. That's To me, that's what LeBron James is chasing. And whether that's a valid argument or not, that's, to me, what LeBron's after. And that's what this team is after. And... It'll be interesting to see if they can finish it off. I'm, I'm trying to think of players who have won multiple championships with multiple teams. Because that would be uh, something... You know, if LeBron was to get a ring this year, that, that's his fifth ring. So that, that that pushes you into sort of that, that absolutely... I mean, he's already a top five player of all time, but he's... It reaffirms you, though. I mean, now you're in the same breath as Kobe Bryant. Jordan, Kobe, You know, you're in the Russell. same breath as Tim Duncan. You're in the same yeah. breath as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But also, those guys, I guess, Kareem did it with two teams, the Bucks, but he only had one in Milwaukee. And That's he, correct. And he won five in L.A. Um, you know, Larry Bird, one team. Tim Duncan, one team. Michael Jordan, one team. So I'm trying to think of guys that have won multiple titles with multiple franchises. I think that probably the two best examples are... Robert Ory and Steve, Steve Kerr. Kerr. Both yeah. of those guys are probably basketball Hall of Famers because of their place in the history of the game, but neither one, based on individual merit, is even close to a Hall of Famer. I mean, Big Shot Bob hits Kawhi him. is close, man. As you know, far Kawhi as, Leonard's as, a Hall of Famer for sure. No, as far as a top-level player to oh, win and with he's multiple, won, won franchises. multiple franchises. That's, that's right, for sure. And uh, uh, Jeff is mentioning Wilt Chamberlain? And Shaq. Oh, Shaq, for sure. Yeah, Shaq's won. He won uh, three in L.A., and but just one in Miami, One with I think. the Heat, yep. Okay, but that's still multiple franchises. So, uh, I don't know. I, I do think it would be a real differentiating factor, though, if LeBron had two in Miami and one in Cleveland and two in L.A. Yeah, I mean, that's an unmatchable resume, and I think, you know— I think that LeBron is probably he can play until he's forty five, and I wouldn't be surprised if he won another title or two as like what the third best player on a team if he ends right. up in the right situation, even the second best player on a team. For sure. I mean, th- this is what you know. I I think that there's a lot of different futures for Tiger Woods, but I always thought that the best future for Tiger Woods is if he could ever just truly swallow his pride and just go to playing a completely different style of golf. Tiger has been the baddest dude on the golf course since he was 20. And so much of the way he flexes his muscles is just by hitting it farther than everybody. But that's why his body is a wreck. I mean, it's not just the car. He's been in multiple car wrecks, too, which doesn't help anything. But Tiger's legs started to erode because of how hard he swings. I always thought his ultimate, his best 
future would be to just start playing an old man game and just be a chipper and a putter and just not hit it 400 yards off the tee, just try to hit it 280 and then use all the other things that actually were the things that put you over the top as one of the great champions ever. I still don't know if he has that in his personality to be able to do that. I think that that same parallel, though, the analogy for LeBron James is that he just becomes like Magic Johnson 2.0 and just tries to average like 12 points per game and just dish out assists all over the place and just be a strict get-you-in-your-offense kick point guard and if he did that, I think that he could play for a really long time after this, too. Yeah, I mean, the big difference between basketball and golf is that, like, basketball really in your face forces you oh, to do that, right? For like, sure. That's why. And, and LeBron James is an incomparable human specimen, but he's also not immortal. There's going to be a moment when he doesn't have a 40-inch vertical anymore. Right. He's, he's already lost two steps. The point is, though, he just had a three-step advantage on everybody in the league before that, so it, it, you haven't noticed it yet, but there is a moment where it's going to start fading at least a little bit for him. I just don't know when that is. But he also has the highest basketball IQ in the league, so I'm probably going to sure. trust him to figure out when it is and adjust accordingly. That's right. Like I'm saying, in basketball, I mean, even guys like Jordan and, and Kobe who are just complete competitive freaks, they had to evolve their game as they got older. I mean, adding the fadeaway jumper. I mean, you saw Vince Carter reinvent himself as a spot-up three-point <laughs> shooter. And play for like 20 more years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Vince Carter's like a top-20 scorer in NBA history because he just had like nine eight-point-per-game seasons to just close his career out. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, in golf, standing there on the first tee, Tiger is always going to think, I can hit this 350 yards. In basketball, you just you, there's no way you can keep thinking that as you get older. Last point on this, the point that I was going to make, uh, I, th- I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers, I think, have three of the top five guys who need this the most in Joel Embiid, James Harden, and then Doc Rivers. I mean, I think there's a lot of desperation around that team. There absolutely is. Well, I mean, when you basically are the poster child for tanking, and then you tank to the point where you have an unbelievable amount of top picks, and none of them pan out except Joel Embiid, but then, like, right at this exact moment, that's worked. Like, all the other people that were failures, they kept the right guy. But for it truly to have worked, they got to at least get to the conference finals, if not the finals. And so you're right. I think it all falls apart if they don't if they don't win this series. Nuanas now, uh, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We're going to learn about some 70s football players. Next, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of The Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, The Advocates can surely help you. Yeah, I mean, the sooner you call us, the better. You know, we're available 24-7, consultations are free, and when you've been in that accident, insurance companies are going to be jumping all over you to talk. So give us a call first and get yourself an attorney. 406-640-4444 or online, montanaadvocates.com. Free consultations, the Montana Advocates reminding you that you deserve an advocate. It's Nuanas Now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Late in the first quarter in Boston, 76ers up 22-19. About three and a half minutes left there uh, in the first frame. 
That series tied 2-2, two to two, so a pivotal Game 5 in the NBA playoffs. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, uh, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. The news of the day uh, in the state of Montana, certainly not good news, uh, aggravated DUI charge for Montana State Offensive Coordinator Taylor Housewright. Uh, as we uh, reemphasize a lot here, uh, we're not necessarily in the business of analyzing um, the personal conduct of individuals, but we do analyze when indiscretions and uh, things related to crimes occur and then what that means for the performance and the prospects of the team. So we'll know more as this unfolds. Uh, this is a charge, not a conviction, but we will uh, certainly, if it then becomes a conviction or not, regardless of how Montana State handles this internally and externally, then what does this mean for the Bobcats going forward? That's how we'll approach analyzing this. But that's the news of the day. Uh, arrested early Saturday morning. Um Charged with leaving the scene of an accident resulting in property damage of more than $1,000 without permission uh, from law enforcement and uh, failing to give notice on an accident by quickest means. Three charges, all misdemeanors, according to the Gallatin County Sheriff's Office. Um, There's no other way to say this than it's bad. Montana State uh, Defensive Coordinator Willie Garza also was charged with a DUI within the last six months. So uh, optics of this aren't good. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you apprised of what's going on there in Bozeman. Uh, over the last year and a half or so, we went through this fun book that my mom gave me, 100 Greatest Sports Heroes of All Time. The, the uh, premise of the conversation was that the book came out in 1958. And so it was of basically the first half of the 20th century. So it was an interesting analysis to see what the entries and and the write-ups were about the the uh, the sports heroes that we certainly remembered, the ones that we vaguely remembered, and then the ones that we'd never heard of, uh, and we learned a lot. It was very fun. Well, I wanted to find a similar exercise uh, to promote conversation and learning and all of the above. And Andrew mentioned you know, sort of the the the, the thinking behind the the uh, the lasting of legends is that after 50 years, legends start to fade. Well, this book finished in 1958, and so the 50-year rule doesn't start for 15 more years. The 50-year rule would be 1973, so there's a ton of athletes from the 60s and the 70s that maybe uh, their their, uh, legends have faded or their legends endure, or we've completely forgotten about them altogether. So uh, this is from the NFL. Uh, They put together a list this was an all-decade all, uh, team, the 20 best players uh, of the 1970s. So let's do a couple of these and see uh, how much we knew or know about these guys. Number 20 on this countdown, Bob Greasy. Uh, I know a couple things about Bob Greasy. Do you just need your? Can I can I uh, get anything out of you from Bob Greasy? Yeah, he's the quarterback for the Dolphins, the last undefeated team, which uh, happened to be seventy two, seventy two, which is right past the 50, 50 year That's rule. Right. But that that legend absolutely endures, even if the individuals aren't nearly as as sharp and prominent in our memories, because still to this day they are the last undefeated. Uh, NFL team. And he would have to be the, is he the, probably the most famous guy from that team, unless it was like Larry Zonka on that team? Uh, Larry Zonka was on that team. Mercury Morris was on okay. that team. Uh, but th- but yeah, that's pr- sort of the, the offensive trio uh, that led that. I mean, the most famous person from that team is Don Shula. Don Shula, yeah. For yeah. sure. 
But um, but Bob Greasy, uh, certainly right there. So And I feel like, did he have like a notable post-playing career? Was he a TV guy? Yeah, he was a TV guy, yes. And then his, his uh, family's name has also stayed because his, his son, Brian Greasy, was also a longtime NFL quarterback. Uh he Brian Greasy had uh, some good success when he was with the Broncos and and was a you know a fine NFL quarterback as well. So the name has has lingered for sure. Uh, okay, the tie, I tie for number eighteen on this list. A pair of wide receivers, Drew Pearson. I have no idea. And Lynn Swan. Absolutely no Lynn Swan. Lynn Swan played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was part of the Steel Curtain teams that won four Super Bowls in the 70s. Uh, he also, I believe, went on to become a politician of he, some uh, sort. He did, yes. Okay, so uh, he's been in the public eye. Uh, I mean, Lynn Swan and John Stallworth both uh, certainly legend, legends from the 70s. Um, Drew Pearson. Played for the Cowboys. Okay. So, so then the Cowboys, their sort of initial rise under Tom Landry was in the 1970s. With like the Staubach teams? Yeah. So I, I, expect, I expect Roger Staubach to definitely be on this list uh, upcoming. I'm trying to find, I, I always find it really interesting to look up the receiver's stats from yeah. from the early days in the NFL. From the different eras. It, I it's, mean the, it, it's so funny because we think we put such a high priority on winning now. But we used to put the ultimate priority on winning. Like most people listening this, to this show probably have no idea that Joe Namath's career stats are terrible. <laughs> like Johnny Unitas' career stats are just pretty pretty average. Bart Starr, And he was by far the stats. best of that era. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, J- Joe Namath threw like way more picks than he did touchdowns, but he won a Super Bowl, right? Like Johnny Unitas was pretty average. Like Bart Starr's stats are are awful <laughs> besides like the, the stat that matters the most in, in winning. So uh, let's see, Drew Pearson. I saw a stat about how far ahead Don Hudson was of like all the uh, other yeah, guys. Yeah. Yeah. From that era in receiving, yeah, Don Just, Hudson, Don Hudson was definitely a pioneer for sure. He and then like Lance Allworth was the guy in the eighties, the, the that, next guy, like yeah. the late seventies, early eighties. He was like the first guy to ever really line up in the slot, and how that changed the game. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Um, let's see, Drew Pearson. I can't even find uh, <laughs> stats for him. He was a, a Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl twelve, a three-time Pro Bowler, a three-time First Team All Pro. Uh, oh, here you go. 489 catches, 7,822 yards, and 48 touchdowns. That's like, uh, I don't even know. Like Sterling Shepard stats. <laughs> no, Sterling Shepard certainly hasn't caught 48 touchdowns. But the catches and the yards are are the ones that are pretty interesting. I read his Wikipedia page. He, uh, interesting thing, he's married to the daughter of former Globetrotter Marques Haynes. Okay, there you go. Uh, one last one before we get you out of here. Top players from the 1970s in the NFL. Kenny Stabler, uh, the quarterback uh, for the uh, 1976 Super Bowl champions. The Rattlesnake is what they called him. He's one of the most prominent left-handed quarterbacks ever. And, uh, I mean, those those Raiders teams were were uh, some of the the most defining teams of that era. I mean, the, St- the Steelers are the team of the 70s. For sure, but like John Madden's Raiders and Al Davis's Raiders were certainly uh, among the most. You know, it was like the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the uh, Steelers, and probably the Raiders uh, is exactly how I would say in terms of the teams uh, of the 1970s. And, and Kenny Stabler was definitely uh, definitely a part of that. He also was one of the first real prominent players out of Stanford, I believe. Uh, 
Jeff's giving me the thumbs up, so I, yeah, that that was also probably a memorable part of his legacy. Uh, no, he went to Alabama. Oh, Alabama. Okay. Oh, oh, that's he was, right. His Bear Bryant under Alabama. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I must be thinking of somebody else from the uh, the seventies. Regardless, uh, yeah, right. Bear Bryant, and he he was like the next Alabama quarterback uh, after Joe Namath that uh, had success uh, in the NFL. So yeah, uh, through eighteen touchdowns, eighteen interceptions at Alabama. So we are still definitely in that <laughs> dead ball era. Of oh man. Football back then. Oh, man, it's amazing. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow, and uh, we'll have a variety of fun guests, including Kent Haslam. He'll join us as part of our ESPN roundtable uh, to discuss what we've been discussing, all this conference realignment, where do the Grizz and the Cats fit in. Kent, obviously the athletic director uh, at the University of Montana. Mike Anderson will also be a part of the show as well, get you up to date on what's going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we have a couple other guests in the works, too. We'll see you tomorrow Have yourself a wonderful Tuesday evening, and thanks for listening. Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio. What's up, everybody? It's Coulter Nuana's. From your favorite daily sports talk show, Nuana's Now, which airs live each weekday between 4 and 6 p.m. on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV, and worldwide on the ESPN MT app, and of course, As you're listening right now, you can always find Nuanas Now archived as well on the Nuanas Now podcast. One of the biggest events on campus every single year at Montana State is the MSU Spring Rodeo. Get rodeo ready with the MSU Bookstore all month long. MSU Rodeo tees and equine accessories will be available starting on April 10th. All month long, you can get three t-shirts for $25, two crewnecks for $50, or two hoodies for $55. Go check out all the great rodeo gear at the Montana State Bookstore on the MSU campus. The Montana State Bookstore also does a great job of giving back some of their proceeds to help reduce textbook costs for students across the MSU community. And of course, it's your go-to place to get your blue and gold on game day or any other day. Montana State's rodeo team, as prestigious and nationally powerful as they come. So if you're planning on heading to the spring rodeo, swing by the MSU bookstore first. When you're in need of some Bobcat gear, Go check out the Montana State Bookstore located in the Strand Union Building on the Montana State campus in Bozeman, Montana.